0: Bush, I'm glad we've gotten together today. Um, it's good to have a little bit of a yarn and I feel like you need to get something off your chest. Nah, I'm doing pretty good, man. No, I mean you need to manscape, you dirty, dirty dog.
1: Calling all men. It's time to mind those manholes with Manscaped. Everyone's aware by now that nose hairs are a major turnoff, despite what I've got going on. That's why Manscaped upgraded to their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. And no, I'm not talking about a new coffee grinder at Kmart. With improved blades and motor, you can feel the
0: power of nasty nose hair annihilation in the palm of your hands. The improved Weed Whacker can now be found in the Performance Package 4.0 for no additional cost.
1: That's zero dollars. Plus tax. Save money and attack your nose hairs by going to manscaped.com using the code TRUEFOOTY20 and getting 20% off your Weed Whacker 2.0. Our friends over at Manscaped are helping you enjoy
0: autumn's fresh air by using the Weed Whacker 2.0 on all your face whole hair. We love the Weed Whacker 1.0, but this thing is an absolute upgrade.
1: Premium Manscaped Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear hair trimmer uses a powerful 7,000 RPM motor with an improved steel blade system that upgrades the cutting performance from their first generation to better whack your weeds. Plus, the nose and ear hair trimmer comes with
0: this skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags, and tugs. I think you in particular, Bush, could really use something to reduce all those tugs you've been having.
1: And as for the nicks and snags, I love it when Nikki Dacos
0: kicks a snag. Yeah, you brought us right back on the path. Sorry, I took it away from it for a bit. The Weed Whacker 2.0 is cordless. It's rechargeable and has a battery with up to 45 minutes of runtime. That's That's a lot of nose (laughs) hair. That means you can watch almost two and a half episodes of Gossip Girl while sucking down a Cooper's Pale Ale and having a go at your nose hairs. Is that relatable?
1: Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Let's face it. Long nose hair is a major turn off. Let Manscaped be part of your daily grooming routine. Ensuring no hair is ever out of place. It's time to level up your groom game. Level up to 99. What are we doing? I was just saying level it up to 99. Ah.
0: Also, the Weed Whacker 2.0 will be in Manscaped's tool sets, including the Platinum Package 4.0 and the Performance Package 4.0. So no matter what kit you pick, you will receive the new Weed Whacker 2.0.
1: But you can pick both kits if you'd like. Yes, you could. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code TRUEFOOTY20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TRUEFOOTY20 at manscaped.com. From below to up top, get the best in grooming at Manscaped shop. Your balls and the boys here at True Footy, which can be
0: difficult to differentiate, will thank you. <laughs> what? <laughs> G'day everyone and welcome back to True Footy Podcast 98. The countdown to 100 continues.
1: Ooh, yeah, the um, hottest 100. If yes. You
0: will. Yes. I think we are quite hot. Absolutely. Uh, I'm joined once again by the illustrious Daniel H. Busher yes? down here in um, an unnamed suburb of Western <laughs> Australia. Uh, how are you, my friend?
1: Yeah, chugging along. Yeah, this is... Uh, Had a nice little physio appointment this morning. I'm allowed to jump now, which oh, is nice. Really? Oh, nice. that's
0: good. It's only taken 27 years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dunking on people in no time.
0: Oh, that's good, mate. That's good. It's been an uh, interesting first three rounds yeah. of the footy season, Ooh, yeah. Bush. Uh, have we done a pod since the season started? I didn't nah. think so. Nah. So this is, uh, this is a fair bit to unpack, some interesting narratives, yep. I think. Um, but it feels good to be to be doing this here with you. At, here yep. at True Footy, we put the ISUS in analysis. Yep. Um, without it, what would you get? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's why you need Oh, us. just click to talk a little bit. To click on that one. <laughs> I like to make people work for it. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, today's podcast will be about um the, the season so far and and many of you have been kind enough to throw some p- questions our way to um to help make the content for us um but it has been a rapid start to the footy season both in terms of content push am flying yep. out in five days as well Ooh, yeah, so m- make the most of me while you can milk you for all your worth yeah absolutely yep. not in a literal sense <laughs> um yeah so today we're going to go through the questions uh that you've you've put to us and um yeah, we'll just shoot the shit about footy as we yeah. so often do. We should give us a little shout out as well to um, Bo from Modal Soul Media, who he's made some content himself. It's actually a really good channel. I don't think he's uploading that much anymore, but uh, they've got yeah Nah Footy, which yep. is now got some AFL themed shirts. So uh, Bo's kindly sent us a couple of shirts as well. So we'll shout yep. that out on the pod. What oh, yeah. has yours got? You got? I got the buttons.
1: 99 Club with Big Favola. I also went to the 99 Club. It's a bit of a RuneScape thing as well. Most uh. of you know I love a
0: bit of RuneScape. See, I did not get that as a no. non-RuneScaper. Uh, I've got uh, a shirt that says that wasn't very Bob Murphy of you. And I just like it because it's like quirky kind of <laughs> weird humor that, that I dig. Bob um, Murphy
1: to you, really? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so there you go. Thank you so much for the shirt. So, um, yeah, a little plug for Yenna Footy. Go check it out on Instagram um, and you can Where? get a shirt of your own if you like them as well. So, have a little browse. <sighs> Bush, I guess the first thing is the elephant in the room, the Western oh, yeah. Derby.
1: Oh, that was it was almost a worrying time, but in the end, the boys figured it out due to a lot of misfortunes from your boys as well.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I, without getting too much into the game, because we've covered that well and truly on this channel, uh, what were your thoughts from a Fremantle perspective out of that game? How did you think it went? I,
1: st- I still wasn't too happy. I saw improvement in like the way they moved the ball and the way they sort of prioritised getting the offence a bit more up and about. But still, it was against a team that had seven injuries and until you guys cop the sixth or seventh injury, you were right in it. So mm. from that yeah. perspective, from a team that's a borderline finals contender, sort of a bit bit on the rougher end, I'd say.
0: I guess the way I look at it, though, is yes, the, there was plenty of adversity from a West Coast perspective, but I think they just gave it their all and they closed the gap of that disadvantage. So I don't really criticise Fremantle for not getting the job done quicker and easier um, just like manscaped.com um, but you can I think you can give some credit to West Coast obviously I'm not saying you're not but uh, I think the fact that they, they tried their guts out in their third yeah. term West but, Coast were great yeah.
1: from my perspective West Coast were great they played their hearts out yeah. did everything they could despite all those curveballs I mentioned mm.
0: Speaking of curveballs manscaped.com but yeah I guess my only point is that I think Fremantle shouldn't be too disheartened um, at the end of the day they, they swarmed and I, I think even with a fully fit team West Coast would have probably narrowly lost the game personally yeah. so um, yeah but we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the season in general <laughs> what have your I guess not to throw a too broad A question at you To start this podcast But uh, Any key takeaways So far from the first three rounds um, Uh, Looking like that
1: The circle What's that thing That the circle where This team's beating This team's beating This team Looks like that Could close pretty quickly That old I think the record's like round five or six or something for that circle close. It could happen even sooner this Is year. Is that right? Wow. Uh, well, I think other of. than
0: Geelong, everyone's won one. Yeah. Um, and I was saying today, we were you know, discussing West Coast injury list and um, who's going to win the wooden spoon, how are we going to go in the draft this year, blah, blah, because <laughs> it's, it's that time of the it's year. Already right? <laughs> it's already that time. It's already that time. But we I was saying like, it's hard to, Pick exactly who's going to be down the bottom of the ladder because everyone's had one good game so far out yeah. of the three games. So, um, the, Some
1: teams have been lucky enough to have two or three good games unlike Fremantle.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you did obviously have a, a fairly decent win and it's only Geelong yeah. that's winless at the moment. Um, which, which is surprising. Exactly. Rain and Premier. Exactly. And we, we do expect Geelong will come back. But um, yeah, it's the parity between the best and the worst, it's it's tightening every year. Um, and, and perhaps not none. Uh, there's no better example of that than this year. I would
1: say. North Melbourne's a pretty good example, I think, of because mm. even me in the pre season podcast, I said 17 teams could make finals, and North Melbourne was the only team that I had that couldn't. True. But it looks like I could be wrong about that because I underestimated yeah how well they'd look under Clarco. Yeah. Well, I knew they'd be better, but I didn't think they'd be this good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You really cooked that prediction. <laughs> you hedged your bets and still got it wrong. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Um, yeah, so we'll open up the the first question of this podcast. Lucas Riley has asked, uh, who's in better form at the moment, Collingwood or True Footy?"
1: Ooh, that's tight. That's close. Collingwood <laughs> do look shit hot, but so do we. What can I say? Uh, our
0: efficiency in front of goals probably edge to oh, yeah. theirs. I'd say. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, uh, that that is a nice yeah. comment from Lucas. Who um, just yeah. acknowledging the yeah. the fact that we've been full throttle at True Footy in the Pumping first few weeks. So thank you. But the obvious answer is Collingwood. Yeah, um, Collingwood
1: like they're just. Early flag favourites, I'd say. Mm,
0: You you think they're the number one seed right now?
1: Right now, I'd I'd say, like, on the power rankings, they'd be number one if Mm. I did power rankings.
0: Yeah, yeah, I just did mine this week and um, getting some criticism, Mm. but that's what they're for. Yeah, exactly. That's all good. There's always
1: going to be fans pissed off. Yeah, and it's
0: hard in round three, especially when we've seen the first three rounds go that way they have. It's uh, very, very hard to capture what's happened and then also try and project a little bit of what's going to happen. Um, Yeah, like
1: if... You'd put Colin, uh, sorry, Geelong at 18, but there's no way Geelong's the 18th first exactly. team. You'd still have them probably top
0: five. Well, I had them eighth uh, okay, just yeah. because I wanted to acknowledge... The teams know, have done well. Yeah, yeah, so Richmond and St Kilda and that um, Carlton, they were always nudged ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, early days, we'll see. Uh, so thank you, Lucas, for that question. Um, Cardman22, this is the, the only non-football related question. He just says, what's the hardest part about YouTube? Um, I'm going to just say that this has been the first week of my life when I'm a full-time content creator and I think I've been just as stressed as I've ever been because yeah. um, obviously trying to take this channel to the next level has been uh, stressful and it's very it's very time sensitive as well, getting the right mm. videos out at the right time, uh, making sure I have the lounge room to myself when dad's yeah. home as well um, and on Monday, I woke up at nine o'clock. Immediately started working And I was still working At midnight that night So um, That's been the hardest Aspect for me But you've made a couple Of uh, videos on the channel Now Bush How have you found Uh, that
1: Well like Even the recent one That's coming out tomorrow The the Mm. editing process Was so much quicker Like now I've Mm. been getting the reps Again editing Because I hadn't done much Video editing in a while Mm. Once you get those reps It's sort of a bit quicker To get through it But even with the stuff I've been making It's been less and less scripted The first one That's good Sort of had real Quite a few dot points For me to talk off the yep. last one i had a few dot points chucked them in the end and just made it up as i went along
0: that's key there's two elements of that it's you're more familiar with the content the more you talk about it so for me yeah. i can talk you know for this podcast i haven't prepared that much because i've been doing yeah. so many videos that it's kind of top of mind for me mm-hmm. and then the second part is the ability to just speak on camera directly to the camera which i'm sure yeah. you've realized now is a very different skill to just talking yeah. to me on camera right yeah um, but yeah no so but far, even so more
1: threats you're the one driving everything like whereas i'm generally a reactive persons so it's good you say something like oh, i can react to that.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah but uh no bush has done i think this will be your third or fourth video now i think it's fourth yeah yeah so uh check that out i think i'm going to time it so that will come out just after this podcast or the other way around i can't remember but yeah i just got
1: night. a discord not- notification actually which means the video I might have just dropped uh, it does. Yes,
0: it, yep, that was my game day squad one as well. Yep, so. you're recruiting gun defenders? Yes, reinforced my back line this week. Yep. Um, forward line needs some, some work. Um, Kyle King has asked, or um, well, I guess he wants our thoughts on the unpredictable tipping. How's your footy tipping going so far? <sharp inhale>
1: Not great. Hey, first, one, one week I was outstanding. I was like top 20 in the true footy comp oh, really? and then I sort of fell off a bit. Yeah. A bit like my fantasy.
0: Yeah, yeah. That is my fantasy too. Um, yeah, I think the winner of the true footy comp right now has 20 correct tips uh, and there's been 27 games. So that's still sure. uh, two wrong per week. Nobody's got a perfect nine I yet. I think
1: I'm at 17 or 18 or something. Oh, wow, That's decent. I'm not doing too bad. I'm, I'm like, like 70. 500th. I'm like top 80, I think, still.
0: I'm 500th That sucks. Um, oh, it wants
1: me to update the app So I can't update you on my position, unfortunately No, that's alright um,
0: <laughs> Gross uh, Yeah, so Yeah, that, we kind of covered why it's been hard to tip there's, yeah. uh, there's a lot of teams shooting in different directions right now The circle of
1: parody. that's what it's exactly. called the floor, Oh, there right? you go yeah, there That's you the go. term
0: Yeah. What have you made of St Kilda? This is not a question from um, anyone, but I think it would be remiss not to mention St Kilda. Who are like now Currently top of the ladder. Yeah. F- uh, 3-0, 150% beating the Dogs, the Dons and Fremantle. Having lost to them in round one and then probably plotting yeah. their form since then, what have you thought of St Kilda? I
1: thought Ross Lyons come in and really created that culture that he wants in a team, like that defensive-minded Mm -hmm. keep the game in their terms type of strategy and they've executed it almost to perfection probably so far. Yeah. Like they look a lot more attuned to his game plan than a team that's only had one pre-season with a new coach. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it is a
0: deceptively mature team as well um, with a lot of players that we felt, you know, the, the sum of... All the parts hasn't really added up at St. Kilda over the last couple of years. Yeah. And last year, they were obviously 8-3. and three, And this year, they've started the season well again. And of course, there's going to be question marks on whether they can deliver on that. But it seems so like so far, so good. Yeah. Um, as you say, defensively oriented, the highest score they've conceded this year is 74 against Essendon. Um, and then it was a 41 against the Bulldogs, mm. who have a lot of firepower. And Fremantle do have some mm. uh, scoring issues, obviously, but it's 52 points in that game. Um They are also number one in the league for clearances and disposals. I was going to
1: give a shout-out to Mason Wood. He's sort of gone Mm. up another level. It looks like he's sort of become a... Rather than a utility where you're just sort of sticking where you need a bit of that extra athleticism and stuff, he sort of seems to have become a bit more of a dedicated midfielder racking up serious possessions, providing support to Brad Crouch and Steele before he went down.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So there's a a number of wins there from St Kilda. Interesting, just the way they play. um, I saw this breakdown on, on the couch and it was quite interesting. They're the number one team for rebounding from the boundary. And they're 17th in the league for going through the Commodore, a uh, corridor, <laughs> Commodore, sorry, I'm selling my car this week. Um, yeah, they're, they're, which means that's they choose not to go through the corridor. So yeah. that kind of speaks to a defensive sort of style as well. They're choosing yeah. to go um, around the boundary line. Interestingly, though, they're 16th in the comp for inside 50 efficiency. 16th in the comp for a team that is currently top of the ladder. That's
1: also a very Ross line sort of statistic.
0: True, true. Um, and that could speak to the fact that they're not going through the corridor because uh. if you go down the, the boundary, then the inside 50s generator are likely to be less penetrative. Yeah, and, yeah. You know,
1: And more into the pocket rather than... Even though you can kick to the square from the bo- if you are sort of coming in from the boundary, but yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, but we also acknowledge the the forward line outs that they've got at the moment. So I think uh, Gresham kicked four uh, and, and um, Higgins, no yep. Butler kicked four. sorry. Yep. Butler and Higgins kicked four. I think Gresham kicked the couple. Um, so the smalls are firing, but you're you adding Max King back into yep. the side and Tim Membry as well. Uh, there's a lot of upside for St Kilda to Ooh, get yeah. even better. So
1: definitely, uh, Ryan Marshall, good start to the season from what I can tell.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. With, in the absence yep. of Ryder. Like I said, they were 8-3 and three last year and they had beaten Geelong. So, there was a good start to last yep. year and there was some legitimacy there and it fell away poorly. So, it will be interesting to see if um, Ross Lyon can get a hold of that. They them, ended so. up
1: from giving Brett Ratten an extension to fire him in like 11 weeks. Wow. <laughs> that sums up the, that whole front end to the back end of the year.
0: Yeah, that's it. So, from best to worst, Bush, uh, Darth Jar Jar now has a question. Are the cats cooked? I wouldn't say. And three. I
1: wouldn't say they're well done, but they could be... They're probably currently a rare, medium rare, yeah, progressing a, towards a bit Look a bit, bit medium cooked. rare at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Bit underwhelming, though, to say for sure.
0: Yeah, so to be 0-3 at this point of the season, uh, it's not uncommon for Vigilong to start the season poorly, but this is the first time a Premier has ever started 0-3 in 47 years, <sighs> and it's only ever happened four times. So uh, this is... It is concerning. It is concerning. I don't think you can blow it off completely, Um the loss against the Gold Coast was particularly alarming, in the fact that they just got beaten in most aspects of the game as well. Um, and you factor in as well, Jeremy Cameron's playing an Ooh, amazing yeah. <laughs> footy. So he you is. think at this point of the season, Geelong not playing well, Jeremy Cameron unlikely to be featuring in the All Australian yeah. Coleman sort of conversation. But he's uh, he's averaging like four goals a game nearly. Second
1: so. in the Coleman at the moment, I believe.
0: There you go. So um, to so that's a positive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, again another breakdown. I'm, I'm blatantly stealing from on the couch, but they're 17th in the league for going uh, for, oh, sorry, I'll make sure I phrase this correctly I think they're 17th in the league for going short and their percentage of decisions to go long is extremely high so they're one of the top teams or one of the worst teams uh, really because it's a negative stat for just bombing it long whereas normally we've known this Geelong side to be very measured and controlling the footy and possessing the footy the decision to go long uh, is coming more often and that's not A tactical decision I'd say it's just because they're not winning the footy throughout the ground to to control the footy in the first place obviously they've lost Joel Selwood what are your thoughts on his absence Um, maybe not so much from a raw clearances and contested possession standpoint but do you think the absence of a warrior um, like Joel Selwood has had an impact the guys on the couch were suggesting or certainly Jonathan Brown was thinking this would uh, this must have been a massive impact on the other midfielders in there
1: well, I, I remember in the pre-season, I sort of shrugged it off a little bit. Mm. Seeing it in action now, you can probably see there has been a bit of an impact losing him. Like mm. Just from a leadership, sort of, when there's going to be that tough clearance or whatever you need to get, they know they've got Joel Salwood to make it a bit easier, whereas not having that probably takes a bit of their confidence.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we could we could be blowing this out of proportion a little bit for sure, but... Normally, like you don't associate this Geelong side with sort of keeling over in a game against Gold Coast that is more or less must win, even at this point yeah. of the season. Um, so perhaps there's some sort of um, abstract concept here where they just don't have the same resilience that they used to. And their midfield is struggling a little bit. Um, Cam Guthrie is another one who's dropped off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they're 17th in the league for clearances. Yeah. So they're not winning the footy in the centre um, and they're not possessing it around the ground. It's all kind of going wrong. Stengel as well, um, his uh, output has dropped pretty significantly uh, I've chosen fantasy points here Because it can be a good indicator But he was averaging 70 last year Down to 47 sure. So obviously he was one of their best players last year All Australian forward Is that because the rest of the team is not functioning And he's not getting his hands on the footy? Possibly uh, But for, for the most part I think their inability to control the footy has also seen them getting exposed on the rebound and they also lead the league in clangers this year. So. so
1: I know there's been a bit of a narrative around them coming in complacent and all that stuff. I don't know if it's yeah. necessarily true, but the tangible evidence based on their free game so far would suggest it is a little, but that mm. is a tough sort of thing to condemn to professional football players. But even Jeremy Cameron was saying how they spent the month after winning celebrating and stuff and he was shitting himself to face the club dietitian. Oh really? When he came back, yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah, that's probably the elephant in the room that I probably should have even just opened with. Is the premiership hangover that um, that does affect clubs, and but we're looking at an older list as well who have been striving for so long to get that premiership. Um, locked away And they've done that And they've come back Looking a little less hungry I that'd think that's... Be,
1: That'd be the thing With a lot of their Especially their senior guys That drive mm. their culture And everything A mm. lot of those guys Went to Geelong In the tail end To get a flag mm. Not just your Patrick Dangerfield Your Isaac Smiths, Your Jez mm. even Came there to get a flag Yeah, A lot of these Senior leaders did, Has Cam Guffrey Won one? Uh, until last year good
0: question I don't remember if he was around I don't know if he was around I got a feeling he wasn't I could be wrong he might
1: have been but might not have been but yeah Yeah. even someone like him getting this one off his back probably has taken a lot of pressure off yeah even the coaching box he's probably feeling the pressure a lot less
0: Mm, yeah and it could even be more Mm. broad things like maybe they've been tactically worked out putting the pressure on the ball carrier they're not allowing them to control the footy Um, yeah it's Mm. a little bit hard in the season it's a little bit diffuse to try and work out exactly what's ailing July. yeah but yeah. So the next question uh, is related to the cats again. J Dodd wants to know um, what do you think? Uh, how would you try to bring some spark into a currently very dull cat side?
1: I'd say youth, but they don't have too much of that really. Well, they got Jai Clark sitting in the wings. He's someone they could debut, mm. but don't know how that much that helps them in the short term. But mm. sometimes some good quality kids, you see it in Port Adelaide a few years ago, and that Dersma, Rosie Butters threesome went into there and really injected. Another level into Port Adelaide, so mm. maybe let a bit of youth drive that sort of passion and get everyone back up and about.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tricky one though because it's not like this Geelong side has been stagnant. You know they've recruited hmm. pretty heavily. They were the most active teams in the in yeah. the trade period last year. Added a top ten pick in Jai Clark, which they should have had never never had <laughs> access to. Jack Bowes joins the club, yep. um, and Tanner Bruin comes in as well. Yep. So there's there's still enough of a new sort of fresh young mix in yep. there. I don't think it's a case of being stagnant. I think it's it's probably between the ears with Geelong a little bit. Mm. So I don't know what I would do from a list point of view. I think naturally they're going to have to keep taking draft picks. But yeah. um, in the short term, I think it's about the mentally getting these players up and ready to go.
1: That's I've, I sort of more meant short term, like debut, blood a few kids, just to yeah. sort of put a bit of pressure on those old guys that might be in cruise mm. control. Let them know if you're not going to compete those people are happy to take your spot
0: well that's very important as well as having the competition below the yeah. the best 22 to to drive performance as well um so i, I don't know closely enough whether that's happening yeah. at geelong but um yeah it's an interesting one yeah. luke mcmahon wants to know what teams have surprised and disappointed you so far this year uh, both in a positive yeah. and okay. negative sense i guess so anything Well the,
1: i've alluded to it but positive surprises north melbourne they've looked even more coherent and functional as a team than I thought they would. I thought it'd be... You'd see Clarko instill a couple of elements of what he wants from the team, but I thought it'd be a couple of off-seasons worth of building blocks before they sort of had this degree of cohesion. Mm -hmm. And they look like a really structured team that plays the game the way they want to play it.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's been, um, you know, one player that comes to mind is LDU as someone Mm -hmm. who's really driving the improvement at North Melbourne. Yeah. Um, And it, it feels like they've had a number of players on their list that are just ready to pop to, so, yep. to, so to speak, and just stagnated a little bit and we kind of lost yep. confidence uh, in those players. But, uh, you know, LDU coming on um, and then perhaps a, you know, a, a tactical Simkin. refresh, a Simpkin, exactly yep. another player right in that age bracket, almost the same age, I think, a year older. Yep. Um, seeing the improvement of that here and Larkey as well, who's yep. exploded this year so far, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of um, upside that's been waiting to happen at North Melbourne. Yep. It just took someone to unlock it. Um, and, you know, Ben Mackay is another player probably in that age bracket as well. He's probably ready to start taking the next yep. step. but he, he is injured at the moment.
1: Even Griffin Logue's in that age group and they've just brought True. him in. He's still young. Really, yeah, people yeah. don't realise how young he still is.
0: Same age as Simpkin. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, absolutely North Melbourne. Um, so, y- we've also talked about Geelong as being disappointing. Yep. Um, where do you put Frio in this conversation? Well, do you think they've disappointed the disappointing, you? disappointing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I certainly didn't yeah, think that pleasantly <laughs> surprised you. But I was more yeah. like, have, would you actively say
1: you're... Um, I would Disappointed I would Yeah Yeah. Like The the derby we looked better But like If they can maintain that form Over the next few weeks My faith will probably Be restored a bit But the start to the season Was just not good enough
0: What do you think Has gone
1: wrong It was a bit of Just the Cohesion into the forward line They're still sort of Figuring out that mix. I think Because they'd spent The whole pre-season Planning around Fifey being a focal point Of the forward line Mm. So when he's Gone down as well They've sort of had to Adapt on the fly Like I think that's why you saw Jay Gromira playing a bit of full forward, which is yeah. a weird one, Jay Gromero playing full forward. Yeah, he's not a not a big guy yeah. known for his I, Yeah, I think craft. It, Yeah, I think it's more purely just to sort of get a bit of replication of how they tried to mm. scheme it around five.
0: Yeah, Amira hasn't really been putting up strong midfield numbers either. He's he's kind yeah. of floated at this sixth or seventh midfielder. It seems. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how would you rate as a fan his contribution so
1: far? I think he's been good. He's like yeah? brought good leadership. Like his mm. possessions, he does get a good. Yeah. He's but you're kind of happy for him to take a backseat and let your Sarongs, your Bradshaw's, mm. those sort of boys step up a bit. Yeah. But it's good to sort of have him there supporting them, and he's given them that role well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Other teams are surprised We have talked about St Kilda Naturally They they have surprised us uh, Exceeded expectations I've got a couple of other Disappointing teams for you Bush I'd say the Bulldogs Have had a pretty flat start To the year Obviously they they won in uh, round three Against the Lions Which is a good win But a 51 point loss To um, St Kilda And in round one They got absolutely Collapsed by Melbourne A team that Mm. we know Is going to be strong But I don't think We expected the Dogs To be that far off the pace In the opening two weeks Mm. And it wasn't a, a super Compelling round three win Yes they got the win uh, the job done But it was a low scoring Kind of Massacre And um, Yes they'd be Quality opposition I'm not trying to Take that away from them But had we seen them Really click and fire Then that, yep. then I'd probably be A little bit more comfortable With them so far Would you agree With De- the dogs being Yeah definitely I think they're in the Bottom four
1: at the moment Something yeah. like that. I just I think it's just the way They've sort of Structured their 22 It's way mm. too tall mm. Like they just Don't have the Pace to Put that kind of Pressure to keep The ball where They want to keep it it's Yeah
0: too easy
1: for. Ooh, excuse me. dirty. Too easy for teams to just run around them.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, they, I mean, they do have some mobile tools, Like Hagen is uh, uh, probably not your traditional key, but I, I, but he's
1: their fourth tallest key forward. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's the fourth tallest guy in that forward line, which is. Ridiculous
0: Yeah, it went from being a few years ago, I swear An undersized dogs key forward line oh. To now a little bit too overpopulated oh. um, And then the midfield, which was a relative strength It's still been, you know, pretty solid With, you know, Bont, Liber, yeah. McRae, um, Smith Like, there's still firepower there But we do have to acknowledge They did lose Josh Dunkley as well oh. So, and, But then and they've just Hunter.
1: gone and clapped the Brisbane midfield Which people is pretty good
0: Yep, good point, good point oh. um, Yeah, an interesting one But I think you have to conclude disappointing start for yep. the dogs but it, is early. it yep. is early I'd also
1: say on the disappointing as soon as you said Brisbane I went yep they've okay. disappointed me a bit this year yep yeah. one and two aren't they I believe they are, they are. Yep, yep. But you'd sort of expect that team if it's been where they've been the last few years to pick up more wins than they have Like I know they ran into a hot Port Adelaide in mm. round one but from what we've seen from Port Adelaide since I don't think Port Adelaide's quite the team we thought they'd be purely off that round one I think it was a bit of Brisbane being underwhelming as well now that I've sort of seen the next two weeks play out.
0: I'm glad you mentioned Port Adelaide because I had them as another disappointing side. And I don't know what to make of that round one performance. I'm happy to say that it's probably not so much just Brisbane were weak and lost to a a crappy team by 10 goals. I I think Mm. it was a case of Port Adelaide just picking and choosing a little bit right now. Mm. So they uh, they come to play against Brisbane. They get the job done. Big contest against Port Adelaide. Sorry, Collingwood and a huge test for them. They get absolutely slapped. And then when the game's there to be won and they're in front in the last quarter of the showdown, they get run over the top of. So I think with the potential that Port Adelaide has with their best 22 and their players similar to North, that early 20s group of players Mm -hmm. who are ready to pop in addition to a pretty sound like well-rounded team. Sure, they'd probably use another genuine tall key Mm -hmm. back, but it's a well-rounded team with some firepower. I think they've Really um, been, well, I think, disappointing is is the mm. n- minimum of what I would say yeah. over the last couple of weeks. A team that should be an outside chance for the four should not be playing the way mm. they have for the last two weeks. Not. So, yeah, but it is early days, um, so we don't want to annihilate narratives. Um, yeah,
1: annihilate Brisbane and Port Adelaide too early, but yeah,
0: I, I think Brisbane. I am more confident about than Port. With Port, it feels like we're going to see flashes of brilliance this year. But when it comes to the crunch time, I'm more confident in Brisbane being there. I'd agree with that. Cool. So we've discussed some teams that have surprised us um, and disappointed us, Bush. Uh, Kaylee Marie has a question. Uh, Shout out to the female viewers, by the way. I think Mm -hmm. this is the first time I've seen evidence that a female watches the podcast. So uh, thank you, Kaylee. Uh, Get around it. 3% female audience. That's that's great. Um, She asks, which player has surprised you both the most this year? Either draftees or more established players. Take your pick. Um, yeah, so let's just highlight some players that have surprised you that can be established. Uh, Lenny's Lenny's actually also asked in the next question which players have surprised you, so maybe we'll yep. start with some draftees and, and, or at least rising star kind of candidates
1: Ooh. that surprised you. I wouldn't say it surprised me, but the sh- early sheasel, I didn't expect him to play that sort of halfback flank, racking up 30 touches a game type of role. Mm. I thought he'd play more like that Josh Rochelle type role for Richelli plays for Adelaide for North. Yep. Being that sort of classy, silky, half-forward that can sort of give you a bit in the guts as well.
0: Gross, yeah. Um, I think I would have been supr- or shocked even. I think in the preseason he kicked three in a preseason yeah. game. So he's playing forward, clearly. I would have been shocked if after round three, you would have said he was the, the faraway rising star favourite and he hasn't kicked a goal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's surprising for a guy who was drafted as a crafty forward. Uh, so um, Clarkson playing him behind the ball is... Both has been a great idea. It probably has a little bit inflated him a little bit because he's winning a lot of uncontested players. It's an easy role to play. It is, but he's also the talented sort of player that you want um, with the ball in his hands. And that's a huge compliment because there's not so many young guys in the league um, you know, Dacos was wild. Yeah, I was
1: going to say he's playing that Dacos halfback uh, role.
0: Absolutely. But, uh, like, how many other teenagers around the league would you, you know, throw the keys to and just say, this is your role? You're going to drive um, the rebound out of defense. Like, uh, at West Coast, we don't have anyone like that. Um, so, he, he is extremely talented, and that's come to the fore. And, and, and so, his, his number is a little bit inflated a little bit. He's playing an easier role than, say, an Ashcroft or a Ginny, yeah. the other two nominees so far. But he's absolutely killing it. 80% disposal efficiency, d- averaging 30 touches a game. Um, and 567 metres per, uh, uh-huh. gained per game. So uh, the, the impact this kid's having is is um, enormous. And Ooh, yeah. I think it's the, the the speed at which he's become composed, like even from mm. round one, the first time he got the ball, just composure. Uh-huh. Um, the guy's has been ready for AFL for all the while, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, anyone else, any rising star nominations
1: Ooh. that have caught your eye? So Jimby's looked good, I will say. Mm. He's looked really good, like the tackling machine. I didn't. Yeah. I thought I wasn't sure what he'd look like, to be fair, but I didn't think he'd just be an absolute imposing bull.
0: Yeah, the speed at which he is impacting at AFL level is quite impressive, and I, I've made the comment in a recent video that he's, a, he's already a player that if we took him out, like rested him for a game, it would genuinely hurt the team, uh, yeah. which is an enormous uh, positive and enormous uh, compliment to, to a guy in his third game. He's, the thing with him is he's, he's risen to the level that he's played at throughout yeah. his juniors very, very quickly. And he has enormous athletic upside. The
1: kid Ooh, is yeah. huge. He's a monster. Absolutely
0: huge. He's listed at 6'3", but I reckon he could end up 6'5". He could do
1: the Patrick Cripps. Patrick Cripps came in at about 190. Now he's like mm. 197 or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Jimby probably will end up like at least 194, I would say. Uh, uh, leading the league for tackles as well. He's, yeah. he's been unreal. And I think this is the earliest rising star nomination we've had since Judd or something like that. Uh, and I mean that early in the season, like we've had a few like... Tom Cole got it in round 19 one year. Um, that's where they're sort of uh, giving it to the the consistent, decent young p- performers. But to get an early rising star nomination means that you had a standout game, yeah, yeah. so or at least been a standout for a number of yeah, weeks. Yeah. So I think um, that's a huge plus for him. I agree with that. I'll throw a couple out, yeah, or three even. Machido Owens. So, oh yeah, I like Mitchy. Yeah, so uh, not a draftee as such. I think it's his second year. I don't think it's his third. Second or third, maybe. It yeah, could be his third. Yeah. It might be his second. Uh, but a next generation academy player from memory yep. to St Kilda, who um, I think it's his second, has has um, found a little niche as a forward, like a, yeah. almost like a third tall, but he doesn't. He doesn't seem to play that tall. Bit of a Bailey Fridge. Yeah, I I don't know if he... I think he's a little bit more ground level than that. Uh, I could be wrong. I haven't seen an enormous amount of him. Uh, But I don't remember him being a crafty forward as a junior. I could be wrong. But either way, um, let's just Uh, acknowledge what he's done at AFL level. He's adding an important dimension to that St. Kilda forward line that's undermanned at the moment. be averaging two goals a game and 15 Mm -hmm. touches. I think he's been very pleasantly surprising from a St. Kilda perspective. Max Michelini, yep, the Adelaide Crow's father son, the one that Sydney famously tried to steal. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. They they bid on him, and you can see why. Because I thought at yeah. the time,
1: I thought that, like, remember at the time of the draft, I was like, yeah, Sydney are just shit posting. This yeah. is hilarious. They're just trolling everyone, bidding for everyone, milking the clock. This it, is hilarious. It
0: was curious. Like I did. Um, I didn't expect to bid that early and I, curious, 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 curious I do uh, turn a blind eye a little bit to Father Sons Because yeah. the West Coast can't draft them yeah, yeah, exactly. But this kid has done very, very well um, As a sort of tall, rangy, rebounding yeah. defender In fact, he's first amongst the rising star candidates For intercepts um, His boys has been good And he's defensively oriented I think he's also number one for one percenters as well So uh, that's been a great plus for Adelaide and Ken McKenzie, yeah. I think, is probably Ooh, the yeah. next midfielder, maybe up there with Ollie Hollands, mm-hmm. to probably get a nomination next, you'd think. Yeah, it'd
1: be McKenzie or Hollands, i think. Yeah, yeah. So a uh, slight edge to McKenzie if they're doing the sustained form type of logic that they usually do with
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Hollands was, has been yeah. good too. Um, but yeah, it could be, could be McKenzie next. So that's not really mm-hmm. a surprise. I was a big yeah. fan of McKenzie before. But uh, obviously, there's a fair bit of... Well, I just think lack of protection in that Hawthorne midfield, like... Uh-huh. Um, with the the young midfielder they've got. So he's doing very well. I'll nominate one other Eagle because this yeah. is a biased Eagles podcast, but Noah Long, it looks like an absolute gem. I'm a fan. He was picked 58 in the draft and surprisingly um, picked for round one. And I think even Eagles fans were like, oh, didn't see that coming. And his progression week to week has been enormous. He was a yeah. little bit nervous in round one, still good. By round two, every impact, every disposal he had had a really yeah. positive impact. And then in, by round three at eighteen touches a shot on goal and oh. um, wins clearances forward of the ball as well like four line stoppages. Uh, watch this space. I think he, I think we've got a long term player there.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I've got a bit of a comparison. It's probably more complimentary to No Young. He's eighteen. He's not a mature age, isn't he? Yeah. So the player I was sort of going to compare him to is a bit of a Sam Switkowski. Just that pressure, like mm. already has that pressure forward thing down. But he's coming as an eighteen year old with that, whereas Sweeter was a mature age. Yeah. And it took longer for Sweeter to crack in a team. The fact that Noah Young's already shown that sort of forward pressure and stuff as an 18-year-old is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. The thing is with him, he was an undersized... Do you need to get that? Not really. Okay. Uh, He was an undersized midfielder, and I think he broke a collarbone in his draft year, couldn't hit the Mm. gym, and he's just rocked up to the Eagles looking like me when I was 14. (laughs) Um, With all due respect. But the the fact that this kid's mixing it with the the best already is Uh, is sensational. So a good shout-out for him. Oh, yeah. So, leaning into Lenny Fogliani from the podcast, he's been on this podcast. Uh, He asks which players have surprised you. So, what about some other players um, around the league that have exceeded your expectations so far? You did Mm. already mention Mason Wood.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say Matt Rowe is sort of one I think I've sort of made the observation here. He's probably showed a bit to show he's gotten back to where he was pre injury. Mm hmm. So he's one before he had that series of injuries. He he was a Walsh, he was a day class, he was mm. a prodigy, mm. but then he sort of fell off a bit. Noah Anderson sort of regained the ascendancy out of those two, but this year it looks like Rao's reclaimed that ro- a Batman to the Noah Anderson's Robin type of arrangement.
0: <laughs> He'd love to hear that. Um, yeah, I. The, if the thing is, when you look at Rao closely and look at his numbers in particular, he's just so inside oriented. Mm. He just hunts the ball, yeah. hunts the clearance. <laughs> Uh, I don't have his numbers here, but um, his because oh, I didn't write him down actually. Yeah. But uh, like his clearance numbers are monstrous, but he doesn't win that much outside ball. Yeah. So I think if he if he had the uh, the focus or shifted his focus a little bit to be able to win the ball on the outside, he would be talked about as this all Australian potential yeah. player. But purely on his inside craft and his ability to just hunt the footy, um, yeah, he's been great. Yeah, he's, he's great.
1: looked like healthy again
0: yeah absolutely uh mason wood i'll acknowledge you you did bring him up he's fourth in the coaches votes right now Uh which uh, in my opinion is the the best award for indicating like how good players have actually been in my personal opinion so he's up output since he's been playing this sort of wing role for st kilda uh he's gone up from 16 disposals a game up to 23 so far Mm -hmm. and uh averaging nearly two goals a game as well um so yeah that's that's quite clear I'll say mm. LDU is a player that surprised yeah, he's me. He's taken
1: that step. He had the potential to take that step, but he's tangibly taken it, so you've got to give him credit for that.
0: I think those who watch North closely will argue that he probably broke out last year. But I oh, think yeah, the
1: last six-ish games last year, they sort mm. of think they sort of started to see it, I must say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, now it's just there for everyone to see, now that North winning games. Mm. Um, I think he's actually the best centre-square player right now, to be honest.
1: Calm down, Matthew Lloyd.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, in just... Well, obviously, there's a, there's a few other names in that mix, like, yeah, Clayton Oliver and all that. But I, I think he's, a, he's at that level, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, he's also 10.5 um, clearances a game. He's the number one center, center clearance player as well. I think specifically center clearances, averaging thirty-one disposals, and his disposal efficiency is eighty-one percent too. Yeah. Um, so there's just some numbers to back up all the other
1: speaking of Lenny, in a quick side, I actually rewatched that podcast you me, and Lenny did for that draft with LDU and Brayshaw and all. That. I was just like, oh, I wonder yeah. what we said about those guys a few years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. Sort of seemed long enough for it to be interesting to see how we perceived it. And LDU was my man. Yeah, right. Was, there you go. He was my man crush from that draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you guys walked away with Brayshaw um, yeah. in that pick and you, you didn't have access to him at five, but... Uh, yeah, because I
1: wanted him at two, I remember, LDU. Yeah,
0: but that's a win-win, yeah. particularly if, you know, LDU was a chance to go home, which I Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, other players, uh, Jeremy Cameron, and, and not because we don't know this guy is already a sick player, but mm-hmm. the fact that he's doing what he is doing, absolute all Australian form, second in the common, like you said, 3.7 goals a game and 18 touches a game in a side that's not playing well. To do right. that forward of the ball, I think uh, just really underlines what an amazing player Jeremy Cameron is. So fair play to a guy that is playing in a struggling team, Ooh, forward of yeah. the ball. Um, who else I got? Uh, I'd say Jermaine Jones for us, mm-hmm. if I had to nominate an Eagles one. Um, he had a quiet game. I think he was shut out against Fremantle, but I think this kid has some raw talent and if he's utilised mm-hmm. in the right way, he can be quite an eye-catching player. He had his best game of his career against GWS. Um, you
1: can't let him off the chain, let's put it that way. Yeah, that's Clubs right. Clubs have to be mindful of him as opposition teams.
0: Yeah, and, the, and if he, it can be a little bit predictable if we use him as an outlet every time. And if he gets shut out of every third game, that's fine. Mm. Uh, but I think he, he adds a lot to this side. Even at the back end of 22, I think he added a lot to a side that was struggling. Isaac Rankin?
1: Yeah, he's had a very nice start. I, I just traded for him in my fantasy draft. Like, actually... Because I'm optimistic. I think he can sort of maintain, if not improve, the form he's shown. Mm -hmm. Because I was sort of looking at his heat map, the three rounds. Round one, it was a lot of forward. And then the next two rounds, it's sort of gone a bit more into the midfield, Mm. which sort of indicates they might... Have bigger and better plans for him.
0: Yeah, that's interesting uh, because they've got some good, smaller forward half players like Rochelle as well. I think is another think, player. I that. think that's
1: the bit of the rotation. Rankin, mm. Rashelli is like as one of the three sort of midfielders, as the classy midfielder, and the other one rests forward, and they consider yep. that might be the way they're playing it.
0: I think so, yeah. Rashelli's spent a fair bit of time on ball this year, but uh, Rankin did have a great year last year, so this isn't mm. like a really surprising breakout or anything, but I think I've just been very impressed with him this year, I think it's worth acknowledging, even if it's not a massive shock. Well, there would
1: have been a lot more pressure on him this year than in years past, coming Mm. back to Adelaide on a big pay packet reportedly. Adelaide's a big football town, similar to what Luke Jackson's gone through the first few rounds, a lot of media scrutiny, except Rankin's probably had a lot of positive media scrutiny because he's Hmm. performed.
0: That's right. He's third in the league for score involvements, Mm. which is, um, yeah, pretty pretty good achievement and nearly three goals a game 16 disposals I think he's one of the best players at a forward 50 stoppage yeah. as well like so Karma, dangerous yeah can
1: just sort of give him a second you'll ping a goal sort of thing
0: yeah big fan of him and the, the interesting yeah. thing just as an aside on Adelaide I think I have mentioned this yeah. already in a video but the they've really invested into their forward line uh, like when you look at that forward line there a lot of high draft picks yeah t- t- uh, Phil Thorpe picked two yeah. Rankin they traded pick five he was originally pick three yeah. Josh Rochelle, picked six so Um, It'd be interesting to see a a real breakdown of like how high draft picks or how teams have invested high draft picks into their forward line. Adelaide was notorious for having a strong forward line in that 2017 Mm. era, and it seems like uh, whether by coincidence or by design, they've decided that forward half players are the ones you spend your big bucks on, um, which is interesting. So, but it's paying off. They have a dangerous forward line. As a
1: quick aside to that, it reminded me of something I read the other day. It was. North Melbourne, the trade that Adelaide offered them for Horn Francis pre-draft, mm-hmm. and then those three picks turned out to be Rochelle, Jordan Dawson, mm. and Rankin. I think might have been the other one. Potentially, potentially. Yeah.
0: I'm not. I'm not too sure off the top of something
1: head. like that. It was something pretty obscene. The three picks were three pretty good people, but yeah. obviously North Melbourne probably would have gone a different direction with the picks, and Adelaide did that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, very. But true. still, it's an interesting sort of thing to observe
0: yeah and a cautionary tale as well um, well I guess yeah. like but they did Francis. do
1: good in the port package as well so I don't think it bit them that hard I'm not condemning them for yeah. not trading him a year earlier
0: that's true that's true uh, yeah I'm sure they'll be happy with, yeah. with what's happened well. more of an academic yeah. thought exercise exactly cool we'll move on to the next question uh, Jay Parmy says can Will Day be a top 10 mid in three years I take it Parmy is a um, Hawthorn fan uh, what are your thoughts on Will Day?
1: I'm a fan. He's got all the tools. He's got good size, good athleticism, good skills. Yeah. The fact he was the first first rounder Hawthorne had taken in like 10 years or whatever the hell it was speaks to the fact that they thought he was that talented. It was worth actually keeping a first round pick for for. They
0: took a leap on him too. I don't know if yeah. you remember. Yeah, but it he, was he bolted. a yeah. He bolted. Oh, yeah, it was a reach. Exactly. It was a bit of a surprise Hawthorne plucked him. And as I said at the time, oh, he's a Hawthorne style player. You know, there's yeah. really damaging... Skillful, athletic player, um, and now the the question mark for him has always been like transitioning from a back half intercept player to yeah. becoming a fully fledged midfielder. But I'd say so far that has they've done that with relative success. Mm. Again, acknowledging Hawthorne's lack of um, protection in that midfield, so like mm. the no Mitchell, no Amira. Um, you know, he's rubbing shoulders with jo- uh, Josh Ward, Cam McKenzie, John. You can like guys who haven't even hit fifty games. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so his stats are 26 disposals a game. He's he's averaging four clearances a game as well and 79% efficiency and 106 fantasy points. So those are all big ticks. He's finding the footy while playing in the midfield. He's winning clearances and he's using the ball well in that same way that he always has. The I guess the question, like the question is itself, like, can he be a top ten mid in three years? That's a hard one to project. Um, it's possible, of course, it is. Yeah, on
1: the balance of probabilities, you'd probably say no. No, but I, I don't th- see enough of the current top ten falling in, off enough for him to climb in. Exactly. And if anything, there's a few other contenders to climb in. Yeah, he's competing with.
0: There's also his contested versus uncontested possessions. And this is not a massive knock on him because these outside-leaning players who are damaging like he is mm. should be placed in in outside ways so they can use their foot. Yeah. There's no point having your best ball user winning it at coal face. But I, I do wonder, without really getting stuck into it, how much of the top 10 would just be pure outside players mm. at the moment. He's only, out of 26 disposals a game, only seven of them are contested. So if he shows an ability to really win the ball he's as well He's got the body and
1: frame to do it. He does,
0: be. yeah. I think he's 6'3". Mm. Um,
1: 192 yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah,
0: so he's a big, big boy. Um, yeah, I, I think if he develops more of an inside game, that's where I'd see that potential. But oh. I think uh, there's a little bit of work to yeah. just round out that game. But yeah, big fan. I've always mm. been a fan of Will Day. He's, yeah, he's yeah. a good, good player. Footy statics. First time All Australians this year.
1: Ooh. It's a
0: hard one because you need to also know who hasn't won one yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I sort of have a roughish. LDU? Yeah, yeah, that would be the first that's one. That's a layup that, that, no. Yeah, yeah,
0: provided he doesn't get injured, that one seems like he's yeah. a, a, uh, equal. For, oh, no, he's leading the coach's award at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Nick Larky? Yeah, not a bad shout, actually. Winning the Coleman at this point? Yeah. yeah. I think there's a really obvious one you haven't thought of yet.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: <laughs> it's uh, hard putting you on the spot. Nick Dacos.
1: Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah, a formality yeah, game. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 100%. Yep. Yeah, I feel like uh, there's no second he year Blues. He could win blues. the Brownlow this year. He could. There's no second year Blues for Dacos. Like, oh. even though people know exactly how Collingwood's going to go, yeah. they're going to use Dacos to drive a lot of their attacks. Like, it's still hard to stop this kid. Uh. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, I, I threw in Rankin as well, potentially mm-hmm. to get a, a small forward spot. If he, 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 could, he could kick 40 goals this year, which I think is the threshold for a small forward having a really good year. Um, and it, uh, I think it would depend on how Adelaide go If they fall in a heap Then Rankin's obviously going to get less, less shots on goal But I think he's talented enough yeah. I think he, he could get there yeah, So another, that's the left one
1: yeah, Another one who I don't think he's got to go Does he have an All-Australian? I'm not sure off the top of my head If he doesn't I'll nominate That's him. not a bad shout Because
0: yeah. he probably would be in the All-Australian team right now uh-huh. I'd say Yeah um, yeah Maybe find a podcast That does their research guys <laughs> um, Yeah I'm not 100% sure If it's off my head But I yeah. think it's possible He kicked 48 goals In 2018 But I don't yeah. know If he got a forward line spot there Yeah I don't it would be the first He's one made the
1: forward year I'm pretty sure Yeah, but, yeah. surely
0: he would have uh, I don't know He certainly wouldn't have got one As a midfielder yeah. I don't think So in a way It would be a first First time all Australian If <laughs> we reframe it To our specific needs Yeah that's kind of all i got uh, One player that's impressed me Is Sam Taylor But he won it last year as well Nah yeah. Um Mason Wood, <laughs> nah, but he's actually fourth in the coach's uh, votes as well. Which is the uh, one player that I keep referencing. Um, yeah, I did put Baras as well, but he's had an average start of the year. Uh, he's been okay. He's actually fought valiantly and had some yeah. had some bad moments.
1: He hasn't had enough disaster to be out of it, but nah, no, nah, plenty true, of water under true. the bridge.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, what about uh, Aaron Jankovic or Jankovic? Yep. I'm not too sure. Uh, Aaron asks, top five plays in the comp on 2023 form only?
1: Only on this year's form? Yeah, that's hard. Okay.
0: Hey? <laughs> it's hard to be across all that.
1: Not in order, just purely off my head here. I'll say yep. some Clary. A bit of Clayton Oliver. Yeah, Clayton Oliver. I agree. LDU. Yep. Uh, the World Cup starts. Yep. Yeah. Who else has been pretty good? I'll
0: chuck Petrarca in there. I think he's been mm. very, very good as
1: well. Yeah. Sam it is close, but he had that round two game, which was a little underwhelming. Mm. Uh, Tim Taranto? Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if he's in my top five.
1: He's pushing. He's, he's been consistent, but I think yeah.
0: he's uh, not really hit those quite high. Tim good, English? Tim English. That's a left field one. Top five players in the comp.
1: He's the best ruffman in the comp. Interesting. On current form.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um... I'm going to uh, throw Jeremy Cameron into this. Yeah, Cameron. Relentlessly yep, throw him into this yep. 100%. He's arguably... The best player in the class. Arguably, just considering, you know... Another the one.
1: ...obstacles he's facing. Charlie Cano. Yeah, yeah. For me, he's had a great start, kicking goals.
0: Yeah. So, the way I did this, right, is I had... The four that I was confident in were LDU, yep. Cameron, uh, Oliver, and I, I'll include Petrarcher. I, yep. I think he's he's up there. Then I have a, a, a group of players there where I think the door is open. You could put them fifth. Yep. Nick Dacos was one of mm-hmm. them. Larkey. Yeah. Winning the comp and yeah. like fair play. Um, DeGoey is in that yeah. mix as well. And Darcy Parrish as well has actually had a bit of an understated start to the year as a you know, the yeah. clearance midfielder beast that he is. And then like it's hard again. I'm probably missing someone obvious, but some of the other names I had yeah. um, Tom Green for GWS. Mm. Caleb's are wrong. Yeah, he's had a good start for yeah. us. I, I mean, it would probably be a stretch to say he's the fifth best player in the comp, yeah, but yeah, I think that's stretch, the yeah. tiers at mm. the moment. Um, so he's probably top 12. Right. And Patrick Cripps as well. Yeah, Cripper. You know, he's been show pretty solid love. without being outstanding. Yeah. yeah. But again, Blonde it's really table. hard to yeah, it's really hard to frame it just on three games. Yeah. Because right? it's hard to forget like the reputation of the yeah, player. Yeah. Like it's hard to forget Patrick Cripps, even though he might not be top five, but like yeah. he just won the Brownlow. He's a sensational player. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, the four locks were Oliver, Petrarca, Cameron, LDU. Yeah. yeah. And then probably Dacos to go it would be my next one. I don't know. Yeah. Probably
1: Dacos. Yeah, I'll go Dacos. Yeah.
0: LD Sports asks, are the Swans pretenders or contenders this year? Tough question. Ooh,
1: uh, cause I've, It's tough to judge their form on like fantasy and stuff, but I've noticed statistically a lot of their players seem to have fallen off a bit. Interesting. Who have you noticed? Like Warner, he had the good round one, oh, but yeah. rounds two and three looked fallen off a tier, like a rung of ability, I think. Yeah, maybe. Heaney's uh, had a bit of a slow start to the year. Uh yeah.
0: yeah. Well, let's look at their form. Yeah. They've smashed uh, Hawthorne yep. and Gold Coast and then had their biggest test against Melbourne and they failed that fairly averagely. Yeah. I don't know what to read into any of those results mm. to be honest. So yeah. I'm I'm gonna say they're a contender. They're still a contender. Because on, yeah. on the sample size that we have, I don't think there's enough of a narrative out of there to uh. to be concerned or mm. really impressed either. I just accept uh. that they're the runners up from last year who um have been a little bit up and down. Yeah. Losing to Melbourne by 50 points, yeah, not great, but, but it's Melbourne. It is also Melbourne and it doesn't I don't think it eliminates them as a contender, Definitely particularly not. when you consider yeah. the teams who were playing well in September are really the yeah. teams that are also And there are and other revenue.
1: teams who have fallen off from contending as well, so it's still openish like uh, I
0: think they're a contender. I think they yeah. I rank them as my third best team right now. I went yeah. Collingwood, Melbourne, Sydney as my yeah. three top seeded teams. Yeah. So by definition. I think they're a a contender And I don't think Despite the result on the weekend They've got any fears About the MCG The Uh last two results Have been (laughs) pretty average there But Uh. On exposed form They'll be fine um, 40 Flames asked, will Ruben Re- Jinby win the Rising Star? We talked about him. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll acknowledge yeah. as well. He averages 17 touches. 10
1: of them are contested
0: mm. for an 18-year-old. That's uh. all right. And he leads the league in tackles. Uh. 8.7 a game. Uh, but if you had to answer the question, could, could he win the Rising Star? Do you think so?
1: He could, but she's to lose. Yeah. yeah and could. then Ashcroft's looming as well. You can't ignore Ashcroft mm-hmm. ever.
0: I agree. I, I think. I think we'd need Sheasel or Ashcroft to fall off a cliff. Yeah. Uh, but
1: but you know, it's a big, it's a three-horse race.
0: Yeah, so far, so yeah. far, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a long season and, and players can yeah, yeah. get tired and Touchwood, you know, none of those boys get injured. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I, it's hard to imagine him overcoming Sheasel because Sheasel is that much of a standout. And, of course, Ashcroft as well is doing a lot of heavy lifting yeah. in that Brisbane midfield. Um, I think Sheasel's a standout at the moment. But I think yeah. it's almost in order of the nominations that have come. Mm. It's um, Sheasel, yeah, yeah. Ashcroft, then Jimby. yeah. yeah um and then there's a few there's a few left field ones like mckenzie and hollands we've mentioned um philippo could yeah. but i think philippo's kind of playing this forward role yeah. uh it's hard the role's not friendly
1: for yeah. fantasy or media recognition and production
0: yeah exactly um for, for him to be a contender as a forward he'd have to almost be australian yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean if, if he's playing like hmm. predominantly forward yeah. so he could explode in the second half of the year run through the guts a bit more and yeah. we'll see but um, yeah, I think I think it'll come out of Sheasel or Ashcroft, yeah. for sure. But yeah, Jimby's probably the next best. Mm. North Melbourne, a final Smokey asks uh, Geordie Bishop. We've talked about North a fair yeah. bit, but do you think they could realistically make the finals?
1: They could be that surprise team from the bottom four that just vaults into it this year. They've got that bit of that written in their style and playing structure. and it, They've given me a bit of that vibe. Like, not... To the extent Collingwood last year gave it to me, but probably about 70% of that optimism I had for Collingwood early in the year I'd attribute to this current North Melbourne outfit.
0: Yes, a very numerical way of analysing it. Uh, Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I think the side that we saw in the first two rounds, yeah, they looked like they could have been a top eight side, but it it is a long season and we did see in round three they they lose LDU and Simpkin going into the game and they're kind of exposed and... Um, I know Makai is going to come back into that side, mate. They're, we're missing some soldiers, but I again, making the finals, it relies on some squad depth. So yeah. they need a good injury run, I think. Uh, this, yeah, yeah. that
1: 22 to 30 would be what lets them down for sure.
0: Yeah, I think they're a smoky, but it's a genuine Smokies smoky. I wouldn't, like, yeah. wouldn't bet on it, personally.
1: Unless the odds were like obscene, I wouldn't. Yeah. Because the thing is, just those sort of bets where it's that far out of reach, sometimes if the odds are that obscene compared to where you think it sometimes there is value there but mm. yeah
0: Callum Sav says where do you think LDU will place in the Brownlow?"
1: assuming he comes back this week top four
0: yeah I mean yeah that's exactly what I was thinking actually yeah. I, it's hard to project a Brownlow finish but I think he if he's in that top group of contenders then he's, yeah. he's up there with the, the very best so um, yeah a lot will come down to how many games he plays and, and stuff yeah. like that so but at the moment it's well, after round two, he's probably on six votes. Yeah. So He's absolutely a Brownlow contender to answer mm. that question.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Aaron Jankovic says, will Ben and Harry Mackay ever play against each other or will they come out as Barry Mackay?
1: Barry Mackay, for sure.
0: Now, I think we've seen some proof they're not the same bloke because uh, they did a podcast together or something, didn't they? Something like that. I saw that yeah. on TikTok or something like that. But
1: you, I've got a green screen. We could doctor that up. <laughs> I, could, I could do a podcast with myself right now if I
0: wanted. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you and I are secretly the same person. Exactly. Yeah. So, we've got a handful of questions left. Uh, the next two are Eagles related Bush. Saucy. Your favourite topic. You, Cat, asks Where do West Coast go in the next six weeks and what mindset do they
1: have after the injuries and fat L? Thank you, Noah. Ooh. Yeah. I guess you just sort of, em- you kind of got to embrace the. I wouldn't say it's an opportunity it's created, but embrace that chance to really just see what your kids have got, figure out your priorities on who you want to keep over the next few years. Maybe there's some of those fringe guys who could get the list at the end of the year. This is their chance to carve out a continued AFL career rather than see in the waffle next year, Chief. A hundred percent. I would
0: say it's an opportunity, to be honest. Like, when you factor in this year, is not a a year where the Eagles are trying to move up the ladder too much. Obviously, we're trying to save a bit of face, protect the brand a little bit by not being a pathetic team again. And and so far to date, we've done that. But uh, I think it is an opportunity for all those reasons you just illustrated, the next tier of Players They're the ones We want to find out about So yeah. the players That have been injured Shuey McGovern Cripps um, And now Liam Ryan Unfortunately mm. We know how good they are yeah. And um, and three of those Will probably retire In the next you know, couple free,
1: Most of them Probably aren't relevant For the next tilt
0: Exactly yeah. So to lose those players While well, it sucks And I was enjoying Seeing them play Particularly Chewy, um mm. It does bring about An opportunity To to test the guys So the next tier Of players that we've got um, that we Xavier O'Neill Those sort of dudes Exactly O'Neill has been Well he had a disappointing Round one Then got dropped um, you Luke Edwards, is Zane mm. Trues that are still on the list. Uh, Izzy Winder? Get them in Greg the side. Clark. Yeah, exactly, Greg, Greg Clark. Um, get them in the side, and and see how they go. How
1: far off is Cully? I've been keeping an eye out, hoping to slip him in my fantasy team once he's back.
0: So Cully, I think, sustained a couple of small injuries in a row, right. and then just missed a bit of momentum going into round right. one. But he did also get dropped between the preseason game one and two. Huh. He got moved from the first to the second. So I right. think it's a combination of form and. His physical state
1: So he's not a Once he's healthy He walks into the first You don't think
0: No I don't think so um, yeah. For whatever reason I, I, If I had to guess I'd say there's A specific aspect of his game He's going to work on Yeah um, Without knowing too much But I think With the injury list as it is I'd be surprised if he doesn't Come into the side yeah. But yeah I don't think I think he's going to be A slow burn with Jai Cully. I don't think yeah. He's certainly not a Ruben Jimby Who's going to do things uh. From day dot Um So, yeah, the the mindset will be trying to develop that next tier and then just make decisions on players at the end of the year because it's a big year for a lot of players that are out of contract at West Coast. Leo King asks, do you see the Eagles avoiding the bottom four? I'll let you answer first. Probably not. I don't see it either. Uh, So, that's the concern I have going forward here is yes, it's a good opportunity to get some um, exposure to this next tier, but we did have that opportunity last year and it was terrible. Now, I don't think things will go quite as bad as last year But it's getting to the point where it's starting to resemble last year a little bit in terms of our injuries. And my fear is if they start getting annihilated every week, then we're not actually going to learn that much about a a Luke Edwards or a Xavier O'Neill because they're not going to get their hands on the footy and it's not actually going to do them any favours even if they get more chances. If we start getting pumped, and I think we will go through a period now where we start to get annihilated. We got Melbourne this week. Um, Yeah, so I, I think we're probably probably have to brace for a top, bottom two finish to be completely mm. honest um but this side so far the spirit that they have played with very very happy with done everything they can we can ask of them realistically um so i'm hopeful we can put in
1: so what you're saying is the best case scenario for your season is riding a harley off into the sunset you yeah, yeah a harley really? read well that would be pick <laughs>
0: one um yeah, I mean, we could win the Spoon, to be honest. And I say that more uh, with uncertainty of how the bottom four is actually going to look. Mm. Like last year, there was, it was North and us. Yeah. This year, like, you know, it could be Hawthorne, but, it, you know, they, they just beat North. So, yeah. who knows? The, the bottom four is looking yeah. a lot stronger than it yeah. has in a number of years now. Tilly Hugs with the final question asks, What do you rate at the grounds? Meat pie, sausage roll, is Donnie's good hot
1: dog or hot chips? Or anything else If we're talking Optus I don't mind the hot dogs They're okay yeah. Chips are usually pretty good Actually at Optus mm. Okay Don't mind the old Mrs Mac pies and sausage rolls But I prefer a good bakery Sort of one
0: Yeah I'm mm. not a huge like Pie at the footy kind of guy nah, or me we, never really In fact I don't have anything On this list other than hot chips I'll tell you what I get every time yeah. It's like meat lovers pizza Kind yeah. of combo with, with the chips as well
1: yeah, That's why gotten, I put on weight every footy season. <laughs> there was something they used to have in my section, that I liked. I forget what it is now. I haven't been in a few years. Chicken schnitzel burger. I went that time with oh, yeah, you. No, no, yeah, yeah. I went that time with you and yeah. I got a
0: chicken schnitzel burger from a place that is different to where I sit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Never found it since.
1: Yeah, because the area I was in was sort of some of the stuff that was supposedly exclusive mm. and supposedly full strength pierce no as wonder well. wonder it was so good. Yeah. It was the ironically named Premiership Terrace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they have renamed it the Western Derby Terrace now. <laughs> uh-huh. Cool. All right, that wraps up True Footy Podcast ninety eight. Uh Busher. Yep. thank you for having your analysis pants on today Absolutely. i'm glad somebody wrote the assist on the back um <laughs> previously it was unfinished um but yeah thank you very much for your time thank you for everyone who's listened and enjoyed the podcast and all those who contributed to the to the questions as well we will be doing another podcast um tomorrow bush yeah, um, with a bit of a different twist we get to get to learn more about the man that is daniel Ooh. busher um so yeah thank you very much guys and um see you on the other side cheers